Welcome to another exciting episode, TX Talks. Uh, speakers today, uh, they are amazing people. They are leading in their role in different places. We're going to be doing more of GCC leaders in different episodes uh, also, very focused uh, on really what's happening in the area. Okay, so my name is Rudy Shushani. I'm the host and moderator and founder of DX Talk. My background is IT governance, cybersecurity, and digital transformation strategies. Our session today with uh, Mr. Yasser uh, Al-Ubaidan is a digital transformation leader, innovation, and the uh, CEO of uh, Jaura. And today he gave me some more good news. And he's also delivering on uh, the Saudi Arabia uh, 2030 uh, vision. I will welcome you in a in couple of minutes before we proceed. Mohammed um, Rushdi, Mr. Mohammed Rushdi, also a very good friend and a leader in the area of fintech, open banking, and innovation. He's founder of Fintech Bazaar and member of Fintech Group of Arab Monetary Fund. So let me welcome Mr. Yasser first. Mr. Yasser, please introduce yourself. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you, Harodi, for the opportunity. So as you can see, I've been working in this industry for the past 21 years. Basically, most of my roles are in business development. And then I found myself as an entrepreneur in digital transformation. So I've been running Jaura and seven other companies in the past eight years as a founder and entrepreneur and also incubating many other companies within within the business of digital transformation and also supporting large corporates that are interested to invest in Saudi to enable the platform here to support them in, in, in the growth of digital transformation. It's great to see you and see Mohammed Rushdi and looking forward to add some value to this discussion. Thank you. Uh, yes, sir. Mr. Mohammed, please introduce yourself so we can go to the next. My name is Mohammed Rushdi. I'm Chief Information Officer and FinTech professional, and I've uh, been working in the financial services and technology for more than 25 years. Uh, I'm very proud that this year I got the IDC 750 uh, award, which is one of its kind this year. And uh, I have been active in the area of digitalization, digital transformation, mainly in banking and financial services. I've been as well a very honored to uh, start for banking. I for banking a startup between 2006 and 2014. I started for Islamic banks in the in MENA, as well as the first conversion from conversion to Islamic banking back to 2001. Very happy to be here and I have to thank Rudy really for inviting me for this uh, great um, channel and episode. Always, you know, I'm always attending and really I enjoy it very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you also for your support, uh, for always uh, being with us and trying to support us also on this platform. We're trying to really grow this platform and then uh, the way it grows is by uh, having people like you and Mr. Yasser and the, the rest of the participants, really. Before we actually start, you know, each one has a different uh, background in going into the digital transformation. I'm going to ask Mr. Yasser, about first one, the first question before we really dive, was it our division and so on? What are the elements of success in KSA or the kingdom that is really uh, leading this uh, digital transformation revolution that is happening? That's a very good question. Uh, so basically, when you go into digital transformation or any tra- kind of trans- transformation or change management, the first question that is asked is, what's your objectives? What's your vision? Uh, what do you want to deliver? On what time frame? And Saudi, with guidance and vision of Prince Mohammed bin Salman, we had a clear vision of what we want to deliver by 2030. We want to be a number one leader in the region. We want to be a digital savvy. We want to be an export. We want to empower women. And there are a number of targets that we have, uh, clear objectives when it comes to deliver what uh, 2030 has to deliver for Saudi Arabia. And digital transformation was an enabler. So in order to deliver all what we have and seeing that the world is moving through digital, Saudi have made a promise that we want to set up the right platform, the right enablement, the right environment for any company who wants to go into that direction. 
And the first step is digital. So that's why uh, I think the, the, the most important thing in this regard is having the clear vision of where we want to reach and having a digital uh, environment is basically a clear enabler uh, for us to, leave, uh, to, to reach that direction. Yeah, thank you, uh, Yasser, for that. A clear vision, I think, is, is the way to start in anything the kingdom, I think, has really set a clear vision towards the future. Mohammed, regarding what's happening in the UAE, and you've been you've been there for a while now. You're actually based there. What's happening in UAE also? Because there's a lot of you know uh, same thing energy. There's also a lot of you know innovation covering more of the fintech side. Do you mind telling us in general first? Yeah, that's right. You know, I think you know uh, what's the you- vision. UAE started the transformation years back, and I believe there is a vision which is 2021 and 2020. Also, they had you know there are some milestones with there both from before, and I believe the country going in, in a high speed from a transformation digital transformation point of view. Dubai, for example, they have till 2021 any number of blockchain cases, which is the whole government going for a major transformation like. Uh, you know what you can say the the, the cashless and as well as the paperless. Uh, journey using a digital identity as uh, a country it's amazing the first country in the world which have an ai minister and ai strategy for the whole country so the transformation is really in a full speed knowing as well that as many of the uh, you know international companies international centers are here as well so the momentum is very high and the great thing happening here between dubai and abu dhabi for example you have uh, different fintech centers promoting you know fintechs you have uh, the ifc fintech hive here in UAE. you have uh, adgm and hub 71 in abu dhabi similar like what you have in saudi fintech saudi uh, you know bahrain as well you know bahrain fintech bay and the collaboration happening between them as well as other external bars like Singapore and others. So I believe here we have really, it's a, a very fast forward uh, digital transformation. Uh, the number of fintechs, you know, I think they have the, the highest number of startups in the Arab world is in UAE till date. And I think uh, I call Dubai the Silicon Valley, the Middle East. And I think other countries, other cities like Riyadh, like Bahrain, I think other people are doing a great job as well. Yeah. Uh... Thank you, uh, Mohammed, for that. Uh, there's there's a lot happening in the world. Let's go to our second part, which is let's dive into the vision, uh, 2030 vision, and try to really understand where does that vision they really want to be? What is it? What's making them, you know, jump from G20? And I think their target is uh, G10, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe G9 and G8 and so on. What's that vision and where is it going? What's really the value added that it's going to bring? And what is the economical impact? If if you allow me to start here. Yes, of course. It's for you. So I believe... Uh, It was very clear when uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman came into office as a Crown Prince in 2016. He said that the wealth of Saudi and the income cannot be sustainable for a very long time if we don't do a dramatic change. So we cannot be solely dependent on oil. We have to have alternative sources. We have to enable the entire government and the entire citizens And we have to do very critical steps in order to innovate and create uh, other source of revenue. So this is one major concern from a government perspective. Secondly, is we need to allow also, as as any concern of any government, is to lower the, the unemployment rate, to increase the wealth of citizens, and to see how we can uh, create a greater economy and to be competitive in the world from a, a very clear KPIs. We see the World Bank that issue on a yearly basis, the competitive analysis where Saudi has been from a, an income perspective, from a GDP perspective on, on a high scale, but from productivity, from export and from human development, it was not there. And that's one of the main uh, reasons that an entire study came in and come up with, with a very clear plan. So like any other, I mean, countries today are like uh, companies. You, you have to have a very clear uh, vision with uh, smart KPIs, and you have to convert this vision into a strategic plan. And then you have to do execution on this plan 
and measure the changes on an yearly basis. So we have went from a 15 years vision of 2030 in 2016, but we have the 2020 implementation plan. From there, the government have distributed clear KPIs to all ministries to deliver on these KPIs to see the growth and follow up on that. The good thing today, and because, I mean, we usually see vision, five years vision in different countries and even with our country previously, but we don't see uh, the feedback. We don't see the implementation. We don't see reporting. So this time it was very transparent. The, the crown prince comes to public at least once or twice a year, announce what we have delivered so far, what we need to do, what changes that we have to do through the vision, and that create, let's say, alignment between the governments and citizens. Today, if you ask any 10 years old child in Saudi about the 2030, he'll be aware of it, at least on a high level. If you ask anyone, what's your participation on 2030? They would have said one or two things about their participation on the 2030. So saying that, it's, it's a beautiful. So it's, it's not only a vision, it's also a leadership, which means everyone is aware of it. Everyone is participating of it. Everyone is going on a daily basis, thinking of what he can do more to participate on this 2030 and get uh, an honor of doing change in there. For me, when I did this and tried to work on participating on 2030, I want to make Saudi better for me. I want to make it better for my family and mostly for my kids when they grow up and say, yes, sir, or my dad was there and he did a success. And that's why we are here today after 10 years of operation, after 15 years of operation, that this is the fingerprint of my dad's work. That's what keeps me moving on 2030. That's, that's beautiful words, you know, aligning to something very personal. Yes. For you to go into another dimension and make it really personal for advancement of your, not just the, you know, the general public and citizens, it's yourself and your family. Beautiful. Thank you, uh, Yasser. Uh, Muhammad, UAE is also on that mission to really go into that digital or e-government and digital transformation. Your role was more on the fintech. Can you give us and shed some light what's happening in, in UAE on that front? Uh, where are they going? What's the future is going to be? Uh, what are they trying to do? Yes, thanks a lot, Rudy, for the question. You know, like, um, uh, you know, the great thing happening here is that there's some kind of collaboration happening between uh, different entities, different stakeholder ecosystem partners, because when you are doing digital transformation, uh, going into FinTech and others, it's very important to align all the parties. Uh, we could see that, for example, Smart Dubai came with a great thing about the UAE Pass with the TRA, and they started uh, bringing in a government organization to be in, and then private sector. So really, the, the, the transformation happening here is bringing everybody. From a fintech point of view, I think regulatory uh, bodies and regulation is very, very important, you know. So you cannot regulate fintechs easily, but you can build build the sandbox. You can build the environment where this kind of fintechs can grow, can test, can can get aligned, and uh, that's a great thing happening. Because we have Dubai, Abu Dhabi, some happening also some in other areas in UAE where you have sandbox. You have uh, you know fintech accelerator, and this fintech accelerator here is doing a great thing. Not for UAE, by the way. Many even the companies, which is you know very interesting, uh, fintech companies happening in uh, Saudi, for example, were graduated from uh, fintech high a few years back. Uh, so since this was the first uh, accelerator happening here in, in the region was uh, Fintech Hive uh, Accelerator, uh, it's the same happening in Abu Dhabi. So you bring all the fintechs, which is, you know, it, I think they bring it from all over the world, actually, not only locally, not to see, even I believe last year, you got from international uh, markets as well, some fintechs came into, into the, the accelerator and the incubator to test their ideas here and see how it's working in, uh, for the market. 
here and they were graduated from uh, the fintech accelerator and the great thing about this one you are not only the fintech accelerator here uh, it's a very good model you bring the fintech companies they bring banks which is very very important the incumbent you know who they, they are serving the, the market banking and financial services and then they bring you know consulting companies you know major advisories and so on and major it companies are there and central bank and others so we bring all of this together they look at all the ideas they can and they start to work out you know ways for make this thing success and how the banks will get you know um, benefit out of this uh, fintechs and how the fintechs will will help the economy or uh, or the market and what is the great thing i could see it even this year some of the accelerator incubators here they start having a mission statement okay this year for b2b for example we let us invite all the companies in the cohort this year talking about you know working with banks for example or b2c or, or something else so they start even try looking at see what is the, the demand of the market and then bringing people in to to address this demand as well i could see some banks are doing a great things on the same time they start creating their own competition fintech competition we have in here two three among some of the major banks or some even mid-sized banks they start you know giving a problem statement for fintechs and asking fintechs to come and show their you know innovative solution for this you know how to sort out this so this is i think you know is is bringing a big vibe and uh, a big life here for fintechs i was there in one of the accelerator and i was really amazed when i was walking down see all these uh, new fintech companies uh, and there is very young entrepreneurs very young developers and so on sitting many of them uh, working and doing it's like i said it's like a hive it's like a hive you know uh, uh, like a bee hive so you are talking you know uh, you know an atmosphere of entrepreneurship so i believe uh, the aoe succeeded really of putting this entrepreneurship uh, ecosystem and i think this is bringing also benefit for the whole market because we could see even other areas in GCC uh, is doing the same. We could see that some of these fintechs which is started to do collaboration with banks. You know, we have some very good examples between uh, fintechs which are working with banks in UAE, with banks in Saudi, and Kuwait, and Bahrain, uh, in, other, in other regions as well. So I think that the benefits is for everybody and the ecosystem, uh, you know, is being built in a good way and I think it's getting matured day by day. Yeah, thank you for that. Yes, uh... I think that uh, fintech <laughs> is really playing when they, you know, when the public shares their problem with the private and especially with the young people and in a fintech mentality, you know, I think a lot of big results can happen. And this brings me to my uh, other question to uh, Yasser. 60% of the kingdom uh, is of the kingdom uh, citizens are uh, technically the youth uh, or youngsters. What message do you have for them, you know, to really try to change or try to take that vision or take your experience or uh, to transfer the kingdom into the actual or where it's supposed to be or or to the future uh, or to the future? Uh, So, okay. Usually here. When, when you go on a government perspective, in order to support delivering the Vision 2030, they can play a number of roles. One is having the right policies and procedures and systems to govern and enable innovation and supporting the vision to go. Two is to support large corporates and medium-sized corporates and small-medium enterprise to go and deliver on on that uh, vision. And uh, three is by promoting this uh, as a leaders uh, through their speeches and feedbacks. Now, the second stage would be coming uh, us as entrepreneurs, as corporates and SMEs, what we need to do in order to participate in the 2030. Because people today who are 10 years old and 10 years from now, they are the ones that will be the working force in the kingdom. So we need to enable them. Enable them could be done by having the right education system and the right innovation platforms and the right capital to support them to innovate. We are not expecting everyone to be an entrepreneur. So we are expecting different industries, different areas to nature as well. And we want corporate citizens, people that believe in the structures and the systems and work hard to deliver on their KPIs. 
both of them are extremely important. Today, for example, at Jawra, we do what we call shadowing, which would enable having uh, fresh graduates connected directly with uh, uh, experts and learning from them over the coming six months to take at least 70 to 80% of their load and learn a lot from them. So this shadowing program that we are having is becoming beautiful for the past two years. And, and the result is that many of the, uh, of the people that we, we have hired and developed now are in uh, leading positions in many large corporates and, and governments. And we are proud of this. We, we don't want to keep them forever, but we want to be an incubator for, for such people and a school for them to learn from there and go and participate in the 2030 version. I, I believe the w- one way of me as a corporate, me as an entrepreneur to support the youth is by having the right environment for them to innovate, the right environment to participate, the, learn, the right environment to learn and to see the future a little bit of, from an entrepreneur angle. Yeah, thank you, Yasser, for making this clear. Uh, I'm going to ask another question, uh, Yasser, about Jaura. What is Jaura? What is the role of Jaura? What are you trying to achieve in, in Jaura? What's the mission and what's the future of Jaura? So I came from my, my background in school is computer science. But my background in, in, in business, I work with telecom operators. So there was that telecom background for the first 10 years of my business from 2000 until 2010. What I have learned, there has been always that struggle or the, the competition between telecom and IT, okay? And everyone will say, oh, IT will die and telecom will take over and then telecom will die, IT. It's like Microsoft and Apple <laughs> or, you know, the, the, yeah. the normal sense. So, but what we have learned through that, that these two, two coexist and support each other. Today, and especially, we have gone through waves of changes in the technology perspective. So in, in the early 2000, it's all about connectivity. We were competing from 2G to 3G to 4G. It's all about speed of internet. How can we connect to the houses, how to connect to the people and so forth. From there, from 2017, sorry, from 2006 and seven. We went into the wave of applications, especially with Apple coming in and supporting this. A lot of people download applications and so forth. This application wave, it created data, huge data. So we went into the data phase around 2013, 14, and collected a lot of clouds. Now with the blockchain in the past three, four years, with the AI and BI, now it's all about analytics. So what I see, digital transformation is the mix of data, telecom, and connectivity, as well as IT enablement, building that platform to support any industry and any business. So telecom or IT or digital is a mix. And today we have seen this because digital today is not only a telecom and IT. There's media coming in. Now many of our new generations don't watch TV. They watch YouTube, Netflix, everything from their, uh, the, the bottom of their hands. So we have seen that move. The three uh, industries are merging together through a digital platform. So that's how we do and what we do in Jaura. Jaura is a digital partner. We work with governments, with large corporates, with SMEs on enabling them in digital. It's, uh, today, digital is not a luxury. 10 years ago, maybe it's a luxury to be uh, to have a website. Uh, today, having a website is not enough. It's, it's mandatory. And we have seen uh, last year COVID impact on, on many countries. And that was a clear stress test for many countries who have not gone digital to see that they have lost uh, access to support, to services, and so forth. So I'm glad to see that UAE today is competing with Saudi and we are competing with other countries and digital uh, services. And governments there is there to support through the right governance, through the right procedures, and through the right uh, processes. But we, as, as companies like Jaura, we want to compete in innovating and creating the right processes and drive governments and as well as corporates to go through that digital journey. That's a brief of our Jaura. We provide 
digital experience and take our customers through that journey. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think you're right. And a little bit of competition is actually good to, to you know, make things uh, move in a, in a positive exactly. spin, of course. Yes. Uh, Mohammed, uh, regarding UAE or actually Fintech Bazaar, can you tell us more about that? What you created? What's Fintech Bazaar? Yeah, yeah. What is really, what is it doing? What's the bazaar is like soup, you know? The idea here for the bazaar is to bring the innovator, the fintechs and the regulators and policymakers, as well as the banks and maybe VCs as well in one place. You know, we're working on this one. At the same time, we're working on something new. Hopefully, we'll see it soon, inshallah, in open banking. Uh, so this is where the bazaar comes. Even the bazaar, as I said, you know, is something which is uh, bring all the stakeholders together uh, in fintech bazaar for the for our region only for the Middle East, inshallah. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, you you work with uh, also with the AMF. Yes. Can you tell us more on on this part of? I think this is a great thing to talk about. You know, uh, Arab Monetary Fund. I'm very honored and pleasure to be part of their. Uh, the fintech working group, which you look at all the regulation and all the development happening in the in the in the fintech area, and they bring recommendation, they bring papers, they bring you know, uh, you know, uh, guidelines and policies for all the you know the, the, the fintech areas. Like there is some publication and the guidelines for open banking. There is fintech index, and tomorrow, inshallah, and after tomorrow, there is a very interesting meeting uh, for, for for AMF about the fintech index. We're going to see a fintech index for all the Arab world. And uh, alhamdulillah, also, I'm very honored to be part of uh, Islamic fintech uh, paper or uh, part of this as well. So the guidelines for all the central banks for around 18 to 22, uh, the member banks for uh, AMF, they give them the guidelines how to Utilize, utilize uh, you know, uh, the fintechs, what is the areas, and they're bringing all the big stakeholders from, uh, you know, IMF, from other, the big international bodies, they give presentations, they give guidelines, and out of these, the AMF comes with its own guidelines for the Arab world, and I think there is very rich um, part of these, uh, you know, uh, policies and processes on, you know, guidelines, uh, publication uh, for all the things which talk about, you know, open banking, blockchain, you're going to see about blockchain, distributed ledger, uh, and so I think it's a great time. I'm very happy that we have tomorrow and after tomorrow a big meeting. And I think by next month, you're going to uh, even have more publication and more guidelines, which is really very beneficial for the ecosystem partnerships you are bringing all together under the AMF umbrella. Yeah, thank you for that, Ahmed. Uh, hopefully there will be, you know, uh, uh, this, the past year, I think COVID has pushed everything towards digital. And this is a big thank you to COVID. Of course, we, uh, you know, there was a lot of death. There was a lot of panic and so on. But the positive so, thing about it is uh, it really pushed us towards uh, more citizen, if you want, hopefully more citizen uh, centricity, more solutions oriented and so on. I'm going to ask you another question, Muhammad. Uh, you won the IDC CIO top, top 50 awards. You were selected as part of that awards. Uh, IDC is trying to also, you know, empower this and how and why, what was your role? You know, tell us more about this, uh, this award. I had to thank IDC because, you know, uh, IDC, you know, even they approached me at the time I was moving from one company to another. And when I said, uh, guys, I'm moving, they said, no, we could hear that you done something. Because the use case of digital transformation was an abrupt tech, not fintech. It was there in the market and it was really published by one of the magazines. And they said, no, we'd like you to nomination. It was a nomination really and it really was like, it was a great for me because also my nomination come number 13 out of the 50. So they have some kind of ranking. So Alhamdulillah, that's really great for me. And what I have done, see, I've been working in the financial services for more than 20 years, you know. But last three years I worked, you know, while I was busy with fintechs as well, I was working in real estate and tech and uh, a group of companies with the holding and best management. And then when I went there, the companies did not have a digital footprint. And I implemented the digital footprint for tech, you know, a property, properties and real estate leasing where the customer can come, uh, go and view something, you know, you're going to you want to move to an apartment or a villa. You go and view it. You like something. You go back home. When you go back home, you don't have to go back to the company again because as soon as you log in, you're gonna get a link. You download an app, and then you can see all in the link in the in the app. You can see all the apartment or the you know assets you have seen. You see which one you like. You know you wanna 
put the contract for it. You click, takes you to UE Pass, you know, and this is the digital identity in UE. You sign your contract using UE Pass. There is no papers, there is nothing. You pay digitally by credit card over an installment over six months, even 12 months or whatever. And then all what you do, you move into your apartment, live in your apartment. The day you live in your apartment, each and every thing you are doing digitally. You know, you don't call the call center, even we'll stop calling the call center or allowing the customer to call the call center and to put any kind of uh, a request. Everything was digital. So at the same time, we were the first company as well to do a WhatsApp, you know, services over WhatsApp, not only chatting, you know, you can even do a service request over WhatsApp, you get the number, you get it. So, and so all of this was, the, was done less than two years. So I'm really, I mean, it was a broke and some, one of the best, you know, it's kind. I think there is no company in the whole GCC or Middle East done the whole journey from start to end, uh, like what we have done. Uh, so it's something, you know, complementing to my work in FinTech and uh, digital transformation, really, if you did it in, in if you're doing it in, in, in banking, uh, if you go in another uh, industry, still you can do it uh, right as well. It's a, a model and a strategy and um, enthusiasm uh, before anything. So I think this was a great thing. I'm very proud with it after being in banking for a while. I'm back to banking and FinTech again. Yeah, thank you for that, uh... Ahmed, hope for more achievements in the area. Thanks a lot. Uh, yes, sir. Question that, you know, you are a leader. You are on the innovation. You are a CEO. And as you told me behind the scene, soon, hopefully, uh, the chairman. You know, all of these are traits of leadership. So what do you think, in your opinion, are the success factors for leaders in our region? Why? What makes them leaders? How can we identify leaders? Do we need actually more leaders to, you know, try to really change our area? Of course. So I, I believe I'm still not doing enough, even though uh, with, with all your compliments. So thank you. And uh, But we, we have an obligation. If we are leaders, then there are people who are following us and believing in us. And that is a great responsibility uh, before we go and proceed on making any decision. So for me, I think a leader has to have high business ethics. A leader has to have very clear vision. A leader has to have great followers. So a selection of the right people, selecting of the right environment for these people to innovate and produce is what makes a leader uh, uh, lead. Uh, so if, if you are a leader of a company and coming late and, you know, doing nothing and making bad decisions, you are a leader for a failure to happen. So what I'm saying is a leader has to lead by example, by working really hard, by working with high ethics, by selecting the right people. I always am proud of having people that maybe are much stronger than me financially to work in finance much stronger than me by working in business development and so forth. So I need to bring the right people that complement me and work with me on a very clear vision. So everyone that we hire, we tell them, this is our plan for next year. This is our plan for the coming five years. And this is your participation. Are you in or are you out? It's not easy to happen, but we'll make dreams come true. And so this, so this is number one. Number two, from my perspective, I treat all team members as family members. And I make sure that they believe this company is not a, just a company to work over eight, seven hours and leave, but rather this is their own business. So they can see the fruit of any a delivery that they do on a level, uh, on, on their personal. So, and this is where you go and set the KPIs, set the right processes, and make sure that you have the right governance model. Today, I'm maybe this is today my last day as a CEO. Uh, starting from tomorrow, I'll be a chairman of this company. The company is going into a process of being listed in, in public market. And the reason we are doing this is to have very sustainable growth. So sustainability is very important for us. A growth is very important for us. And in order to do that, we have to have the right governance model, the right processes and procedures, and the right people to lead this company. So it's a very exciting time for us. It's a very hard work. But leader, I believe, is, is, is for you to, to, to go in and dig you know, with your 
hands, uh, all the dirts, and and for people to see around you that you are a very serious businessman. And I think you mentioned something that uh, you know, for you to grow, others need to grow also in direct. Exactly. So this is uh, you know having the eye for other people to help you and something you're not you know at your best, but knowing where and who is uh, has that leadership in his role can really elevate you as a leader also yeah and exactly. treating people as a family i think this is one of the real traits that you know most companies <laughs> don't really have if yeah. you have this uh, you know uh, good luck and really uh, for such amazing in the end it's a culture what you are giving is, is a culture, culture. Exactly. exactly i'm going to start by taking a little bit questions from uh, the audience Junaid, uh, can you open your mic and ask a question, please? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, you have three questions. Do you mind asking one of them? Uh, and okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I will just summarize everything in one. Thank you very much, first yeah, of all. To who you wants your, uh, yeah. to answer. Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, thanks to you for providing this platform to talk and uh, listen uh, wonderful views about uh, leadership and also about this uh, FinTech Bazaar from Ahmed Rashidi and uh, from brother um, Yasir as well. So my question in this digital transformation, because this is going to disrupt the whole organization and countries and policies and procedure everywhere. So you are basically now going to shape the future of your country, not only the country, but that would help the people to grow and use the technology that would enhance their lifestyle. And uh, by doing this, uh, the challenges we are facing in digital transformation is a cultural setup and then uh, the security around those artificial intelligence, machine learning platform, IoT, smart security, smart, smart solutions are coming in, which are based in this. So do we have any framework of the security which will embed and help to uh, take the lead uh, to take um, this digital transformation forward? by giving a confidence to the customers that the solutions they are going to use and the platform they're going to use are more secure and resilient and provide best solution. Yeah, I think your question can, uh, Yasser can answer this if I'm not mistaken. Please, thank yeah. you. Thank you. So yes, digital transformation is, is uh, in the heart of it is a change management. So yes, we would need to change the culture and how people work. This means we don't need to store or to have a server anymore in our basement, but we would rather need to go cloud because cloud is more secure than your own security system. And this has been proven by many cases. But you need to have the right security man that go into a digital security. Now, instead of if people want to steal a company, today they will not go and knock the door and go and you know, take gold from that company anymore. Today, they will go online and try to take some data from you. So your data is your biggest and most important asset. So that's why you need to have a security procedure and processes to, uh, you know, protect your assets, your data. This data could be email, could be a file stored on your, uh, on your laptop, or could be on your cloud. And that's why you have to have certain training for us. For example, we have to go through everyone in our company has to go through that, learn and having uh, the, the sensitivity of how data is valuable. Today, you cannot just go and reply to all if you know that some of these guys are not related to that email or they could be a threat to that data. Today, you need to make sure that you sign an NDA with someone before you share any digital information. Today, you don't need to send an open file, but you need to go through a, you know, a locked file and, and have it uh, expired in a certain period. So these are culture that you need to change within your environment uh, from a security perspective. The second part of your question is regarding the disruption. Digital transformation, not necessarily to be uh, disrupting uh, an environment or an industry. Yes. Disruption is one area, but also enablement or innovation, okay? So disruption is one and innovation another thing. So uh, we always been saying and talking about looking at the blue ocean because the blue is not as crowded as, you know, the, the, the red ocean uh, from a strategic point of view. So sometimes you disrupt your industry by creating something that changed 
the entire process. But sometimes you innovate a new product or a new area that nobody has thought about. So if you want to go innovation, you always think of what is your pain point today? So your today's pain point is a potential area of innovation. And last but not least, I believe that everyone in the organization needs to somehow learn a little bit of algorithm because algorithm will uh, make logic uh, sense to every process. And from there, you go and have your uh, disruptive team or your innovation team convert that into a product or a service. That's my feedback on on you. That's great. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. It was quite Uh, interesting uh, answer and learn. Thank you. uh, Thank you. Uh, I'm going to... Pass the question somehow, Muhammad, if you want to add to it. But before you add, I just want to add my uh, salt. I think what Yasser is also mentioning is trust. In the end of the day, you are selling uh, a trust in your culture. And from there, it drives all of the elements that uh, that Yasser talked about. Muhammad, if you want to add something, uh, because you have a question also from Ibrahim Emir, please open your mic when Muhammad finishes and ask the question, please. Yes, sir, I said, I think uh, all what we need to say. I think the change management here play a big role. And I think the culture change is a big part of any tra- uh, digital transformation. And always it, it takes really a good uh, element there in your plan. You know, how can you bring people into speed? How can you do, uh, you know, awareness is very important, by the way. It's not only equipment, yeah. AI, ML, now it's own awareness, people, awareness about the security, awareness about what is the benefits they are getting and how much, you know, they have to give. Uh, now we have even, um, H, you know, uh, the open banking and AI and so on. You can even, the, the customer will be able to approve yes or no for his data to be shared. So I think all of this come as well with tools which allow us to gain the confidence with the customer. Thank you. Yes, yes. I think uh, the way things are going, you know, more digital, that means more, uh, you know, breaches, more. Uh, so we need to start it from zero. Yes, Prahim, please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you, Rudy, for arranging this talk, uh, the X talk. Uh, actually, I do agree with Mr. Yasser and Hamman and all the digital uh, transformation uh, concept and uh, strategy. Uh, without a winning strategy, there, here is the difference. And I have faced uh, many of my customers here, especially in UAE, although I cover all the Middle, uh, the Middle East and the GCC. They stress on a winning strategy rather than putting a strategy in place. And my question goes to Mr. Muhammad Rushdie uh, related to fintech. As he mentioned that uh, uh, there is a demand. He's noticing uh, too many uh, demands. Uh, I don't know if uh, his team or himself within his experience, he noticed some demand related to SVA, the stored value account or the stored value cards. Uh, with that, I would like to uh, hear his uh, thought and opinion on uh, on this topic or on this area. And if there is any uh, regulatory terms published from the UAE Central Bank or any government uh, agency related to this uh, aspect. Thank you. Thank you, Ibrahim. Uh, you know, um, most of, I believe, now we work by use cases. So the use cases of using cards, you know, or using any uh, uh, any equipment or any uh, um, algorithm in payment, this has to be really tested thoroughly and making sure that this is okay as well as the regulation. There is nothing specific to, to, to the stored value card, what, what you mentioned, uh, but people or the fintech companies, you work in mainly use cases. Lots of fintechs going in the payment side and, uh, you know, we, we, we see lots of innovation ha- happening around uh, the payment. And even now, the, the wallet, I would say, you know, uh, everything going digitally from uh, being physical or using a card, using a point of sale to you, the card or the wallet, uh, using the wallet. And you can see the encryption ways like, you know, the you know the highest encryption are being used. Now with the blockchain and the cryptography, it does play a role as well. It will come to the payment and see, you know, like how much this will be secured. Uh, but, you know, this area, it's a very busy area from uh, technology and development, both of you, the payment and the card. Um, I believe, you know, uh, you know, I'm talking about the, even the normal card, story value card, uh, you know, uh, the, the security protocol should be in place. 
and it should be tested and we should make sure that really that you know uh, everything is secure and this is what we will try and this is maybe something we're going to talk about about fintechs because fintechs they need also from the other side they need lots of uh, back end and lots of work from other incumbent and then what is really they have the the muscles and you have the means and so on to support fintechs in this area. Yeah, thank you, uh, Natasha. I'm going to let you open the mic and ask the question, I think, to Yasser, if I'm not mistaken. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, good uh, Greetings from England. Um, I'm CEO of Intact Digital. And uh, my question really is about this importance of, uh, in addition to business to business, so B2B, provisions for digital transformation, how to uh, engage with citizens, because the success, of course, depends in the end on the adoption. And sometimes the business... Uh, coming from my own experience, it's easy to have a vision, but if it is not fully connected both ways, top down and bottom up, uh, I'm just wondering what are the mechanisms now for to collect information from the citizens to advise about the services. Thank you, Natasha. Your question uh, depends on the service that you are offered. So, uh, if, if I'm a government, then yes, of course, I need the feedback and and. If, for the Vision 2030, there's a full program on digital and on change management. And this program also has, you know, to go through processes. One of these processes is to have a small group to test and think the ideas over and brainstorm to see how, what is the effect. Another way is to engage them through the social media, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and so forth, to see what the feedback of any changes that is planned. But there is also the official way where, for example, the conference on six months basis comes in and say, we are planning this. Actually, the Vision 2030 was established in 2016. But then every six months we say, okay, we have done through this route, but we have faced some issues. We will go this route. Or it gives us a feedback of what has been done so far in the past one year, in the past one half year, in the past five years, and what we delivered and what we are planning to do. So when it comes to digital transformation, for example, we have exceeded expectation. Today we are in Saudi, the second fastest nation in the world when it comes to internet speed and to, uh, to connectivity, to people having access to internet. And that's a, a huge improvement because six years ago, we were at 86 uh, uh, most connected uh, country in, in the world. So to go from number 26, uh, sorry, 86 to number two, right after Japan in terms of connectivity, that's a huge achievement. And so what happens next? Because that was a target for 2025 to reach, and we already reached it in 2020. So there are a number of steps that now, the, for example, the Minister of Telecommunication and the regulatory are working on enhancing their KPIs to reach to a new level. Uh, so it's not about only connectivity. Now it's about innovation, about improvements of services and so forth. Today, 85% of government's services are provided digitally. How? Because people, they listen to these people. So we have sources where we go, do field experience, see what services that needs to be digitized. And digitized today, every service, mostly an 85, 85% of services that you want to do and you had to go through an AI government is now done in your uh, iPhone. So communication is is from public to uh, to, to citizen. It's it's usually done on a broadcast level. Now from a corporate from B to C uh, from corporate customers or to citizens. Here we we intend to do two levels of you know you know field surveys where we do public surveys over online and so forth. Or we do close groups uh, uh, discussions where we go and see of our existing customers or customers that have not been connected to us on why and go through the process of understanding the reasons. And that's, I would say, the, the, the difference between G2C or you know, government to citizen or uh, you know, corporate uh, business to, to a customer or to a citizen. Thank you, yes, sir. Dr. Abdullah, please open your mic and uh, ask him a question. Assalamu alaikum. My question is to Brother Yasser Al-Abedi. Since Maldives is uh, very well known for tourism, I just wanted to find out from him how can the digital transformation help the promote or increase the business of tourism? A very big question, but very short question. Yeah. 
It's question is a one million dollar question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, somehow we need to find a way you pay for this answer. But anyway, <laughs> okay, I will do it. Let's look at what Saudi has done in terms of tourism. Uh, one, having the right infrastructure. And Maldives already has that. So for us, we had to start from scratch. Two is to promote. And promote means... Today, you cannot go and promote on the normal TV ads and so forth. Today, you need to have uh, social influencers. You need to have engaged in the social media. Today, you have to create that digital experience for your country or your, the, the, the islands that you want to promote. You have to innovate also on that. Uh, yes. That's true. Yes. And, and third... Third, today, with, with the world that is very well connected today and people are all over the world can go anywhere, you need to have differentiation. What makes Maldives different than anywhere else in the world? What experience you can offer to people to come and visit Maldives? So customer experience, we always talk, when I talk to the governments here in Saudi, we talk about customer journey. How this customer, who is your today, your citizen, would experience and go through that experience journey. If you cannot create a differentiation and evaluation of that experience, you will lose that potential customer, okay? So think about that. What, what things that Maldives have that no one has? And you have competitions. You have Seashell, you have, uh, you know, Saudi now promoting Gritzi and so forth. So you need to find that distinguished experience and build on it. And use uh, the digital as an Okay, thank you very much. And I'm going to thank uh, Yasser and Muhammad really uh, for your presence and for the people that stayed. Uh, really, thank you. I'm going to take the last question. If anybody has uh, anything to add, I have a question from YouTube, I think, to Muhammad, if I'm not mistaken. What, what is the best incubator you advise? No, see, I mean, uh, it depends on the use case you are having and where you are present and where you can, uh, you know, uh, connect with. I think each and every, uh, we have a great places nowadays. I'm saying about UE, we have the FC Fintech Hive, we have uh, Hub 71 and HGM. Saudi, they've done a great since Fintech Saudi started in 18 and they are going at full speed. Uh, Bahrain Fintech Bay is doing great. I think all of them, you know, yeah. all of them, are doing great and uh, the only thing now is the use case and uh, make sure that you know they are ready to take it and support it and you have already the ecosystem partners are there any one of them will do great for you because i think they are all i'll say five stars and um, i think we are lucky to be here because they are investing with the government and uh, uh, investing uh, in this uh, incubator and accelerators and any of them will be okay you know i think they are all great thank you Mohammed. And uh, I'm really going to uh, thank you both. Again, uh, thank you, Yasser, and thank you, Muhammad. Really, I think this was a great session, uh, a lot of information. And hopefully you have inspired uh, many people that are here on YouTube and you're going to be inspiring more people in the future also. Uh, that is uh, for sure. Uh, thank you again. I don't know if you have the last word. So before we conclude uh, our session for today. Yes, sir, please. Thank you, Muhammad. Uh, well, first, uh, thank you, Deke Stocks and Turudi for having us uh, here and giving us the opportunity. For me, my last word is you should have a dream. And with that dream, uh, you should have a clear vision on how to deliver this dream. And don't stop every day. Do small things that can add to your dream. That's great. Thank you. And I would like to say thank you very much, Rudy. And and Yasser for this exciting and very interesting uh, session. Uh, I would say the same, like people, you know, uh, I think digital transformation is a journey. Try to enjoy the journey while you are going in the journey. It's not an end, actually. You don't finish digital transformation or transformation. You keep reinventing yourself. You keep reinventing, you know, the economy or the environment around yourself. And nowadays, we are in a very uh, interesting, exciting time, entrepreneurship time era, I would say. And then make sure that you know how to learn, you know. You have to learn how to learn. So it's a learning time, learning curve, enjoying time. And uh, we are very happy to be connected with you at any time and, uh, you know, exchange information and help. Thanks. So. Thank you. Thank you both.
really was pleasant uh, again for me. Thank you for all that uh, who stayed. And with that, we'll see you on Wednesday in one of our uh, Crypto Talks Wednesdays. Uh, stay tuned and see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.